0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight Podcast, where we talk about everything business-to-business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon-Orlick, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse, early-stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. I have a really interesting guest today who's going to give us uh, her perspective on selling for the nonprofit industry. Um, On today's episode, I would like to introduce you to Sharon Kurtoser. Did I get that right, Sharon? Close, Kit Roser. Kit Roser, sorry. A 25 year media sales veteran master storyteller, and and co-founder of Team Cat and Mouse, an organization that provides full-service nonprofit management. Sharon, thank you for joining us today. I am
1: so excited to be here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right so let's get started. Talk to me about your journey in sales because I know that I know that you started as a media sales rep so real interesting going from that into nonprofit consulting so uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: Well it's very funny. Um, probably as soon as everybody hears this they'll say oh listen to that to that girl who sells from New York, but I'm actually in South Florida, but I did start my career in New York, which is very important to this story because I went to college for broadcasting and I wanted to be a reporter. Unfortunately, every time I walked into a television station or radio station, they quickly send me to the sales manager <laughs> and, um, My mother also pointed out that the one job I got offered on air, I would be the first person in our family to get food stamps because it paid so low. So I finally acquiesced and went into sales. Uh, Started my career, learned very quickly uh, in the world of radio sales. Where you're literally selling air. It was not a business where they train you. It was a business where I got a cassette tape. Yes, I am that old. And got to go out on sales calls with their top salesperson, who every time he got an order would get an ice cream cone. And he was a big guy. So I assumed he was super successful. (laughs) That was it. Um I made it there a very short time. The management was not into teaching or coaching, just into telling you you had done something wrong shortly after you tried something that you thought was very smart. So I went back to Buffalo where I'd gone to college and quickly became the number one salesperson. I owe all that to some similar characteristics that, that come up in um, fundraising, which is a lot of energy. Um, the ability to take the pie in the face, which is rejection, knowing that this time it's in, the fa- in your face, next time it'll be in your face, and the third time you get a yes and you get to eat the pie. So um, I was; those things were sort of in, innate in me. I came from a family of salespeople who were probably my best training and I went from Buffalo, I moved up through the management ranks, worked in New York at CBS, worked in Florida at CBS, and spent my longest amount of time with the Walt Disney Company running 50 radio Disney stations, which is only a great story because you get to say my old boss was Mickey Mouse, because we all say.
0: <laughs> so, so you had Mickey Mouse as a boss and you were selling air. I mean, what could, be, what could go wrong? What could go
1: wrong? Well, I, <laughs> I, I did learn you can't um, sell advertising because I had teams all over the country. So I also got to learn how to manage salespeople from far away, which is less hard when you um, when you realize that as soon as you learn it, you can repeat it. And that was a very great skill for me during the pandemic. So I was here working for CBS when I received uh, a call from a friend of mine in fundraising who happens to be my partner at Team and Mouse. And she said, there's an executive director job open. She was the CDO at a big national charity. And she said, read, read the, um, the job description. It really sounds like you. And I read it and you had to have the ability to stand up in front of the camera if if there was a big fire or disaster. Well, I have a degree in broadcasting. I can do that. And you had to be able to fundraise. Well, how different can that be from sales? Great last words, which were pretty smart. And you had to get a consensus by convening your team because really nobody worked for you. That's the That was hysterical, which is good because I didn't know much about disasters on day one. So I started getting into the world of fundraising. It sounds like if,
0: a disaster <laughs> to begin if, with.
1: If it wasn't for it, really, I, you know, one of my points of our company is there's no onboarding. Onboarding yeah. is here's your credit card. Here's your key. Did you find the bathroom? And, uh, you know, I have to say two great bosses, but that was really the onboarding. So typical Sharon style, you know, my expertise is new business development. i you know, been in, in magazines, writing articles, I've written a white paper on new business development. It's my thing. So I start calling people. I really don't know what I'm talking about or what the organization does, but I start calling people and telling them, this is my new life, wanna come hang out with me. And um, I learned, uh, thank God I had good bosses, but I learned the hard way. They have a lot of initials. You'll see me talk about it in one of my blogs you know, Irv is not an old man, it's an emergency response vehicle and things like that. Luckily, uh, somebody in the disaster had, and it's mostly FEMA terms, so they hand me the FEMA cheat sheet. But again, I saw nobody was trained. I did, So I took my all female staff and they were indeed girls. And I said, I forget everything you don't know, one went out on, on cold calls with me, we moved buildings. So I said, let's go meet everybody in the neighborhood. It was a very full of big offices. Let's go meet everybody. And I said, where is your portfolio? What do you mean? Maybe you have to give someone your card or get their name or something. And that's how where we started and went from there and taught them and taught them they we learned about we picked apart tell me in sales that knowing your prospect isn't the key being able to ask good questions to discover the need all those sales training things that were so unbred in us i started teaching them i said you're, t- you're calling a corporation do you, do you know what a vbr is no oh, no so I've actually brought, I take full responsibility for this, um, the phrase very, you know, valid business reason to fundraising. Why, they're not just gonna give you a check. What do they want out of a partnership with a nonprofit?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, my CDO slash now business partner said, we need to come up with something like that for individual fundraising. So they direct their question towards finding out what, so we call it the very best reason, the other VBR. You know, we're trying to find out, do they want to give what they care about in the charities because they've experienced an illness that the charity supports? Is it because they were hungry as a child and want to make sure what's the very best reason?
0: And if yeah, and there's it, a lot of, you know, it's interesting. I've done a lot of nonprofit work in my day Um, In fact, I own a nonprofit right now and or. Yeah. yeah. okay. but anyway, that's not the, the point. It's interesting because typically nonprofits don't think of themselves as businesses. So the idea of having to sell to try to get donations, it's like, well, why do I have to sell? Of course, people are going to donate. But guess what? There are so many choices out there of fabulous organizations that people can allocate their money towards. Why you, right? Like why why your nonprofit?
1: So in, in an effort, I've made a list. Okay. Uh, Sales and fundraising, what they have in common. Both are building relationships. Mm -hmm. Both are telling a story. Both require generation of new leads. Uh, many salespeople and fundraisers hopefully share similar personalities. They're friendly, they're outgoing, they're likable. My personal, they're high energy. Uh, both involve a belief in your product, whether it's your mission or whether your product. Both have a process. That's my big thing. I love sales math for fundraisers because it, it takes the emotion out of it. I know if I call 10 people, I'll get two on the phone. One will set up a time to see them, to see me. And if I ask good questions, I can move them along. So mm-hmm. I'm very big on, sale, on fundraisers. Uh, looking at sales math is a way to understand the journey. Um, both um, take time. They need to get it right. Um, uh, both require follow-up um uh they all up uh, we're back to the beginning fundraisers and salespeople need oh here we go I'm um, no I'm not both need to ask great questions both sales and fundraisers um have to share their belief in different ways to different people yeah and I could go on I'm sparing you the three pages of this because yeah. I was on a I was talking to someone on LinkedIn mm-hmm. who actually took me to task
0: what really what? Look, they were saying please. that fundraising is not sales.
1: Correct. Hmm. I finally. Well, decided, what was their
0: perspective? Like, what did they think fundraising was <laughs> if it's not sales?
1: Her issue was two things. One, uh, there's not this push to close, which is ludicrous and ridiculous mm-hmm. since um, they, they, of course, there is. If there's no money, no mission. A big Mm -hmm. phrase among fundraisers, no money, no mission. Number two is um, they don't want to be responsible for a timeline. My biggest frustration, I'll put this out there. Selling radio advertising comes with a natural timeline.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you want
1: to advertise? When's your sale? Let's talk about it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What I discovered fairly quickly in the world of fundraising, unless it's an event, a gala, which is why many nonprofits go towards those types of events, you have to figure out what makes a time sensitive. That, that's different, but if you've got, my big thing, you've got, or if you're trained well, if you have a good coach manager, then you figure out a way. I, when I was at the Red Cross, our CEO is amazing, amazing. I run into him one day and I said, I had an aha. I'm a new fundraiser executive director. I'm really the executive director at this point. And he goes, what's your aha, Sharon? I said, unless there's a disaster, there's no call to action. Huh. And his answer is, maybe you need to help us with that solution because you're And this was like my third week. Like all of a sudden I realized they were bound to answering the phone when, when there was a hurricane or a flood or something. So
0: And And probably the highest propensity of customers were to donate were during disaster periods, right? If there wasn't a disaster, why do I need to donate, right?
1: Yep. But you had to figure out how to tell the story. Mm -hmm. You had to figure out how to, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. They did something called the show house. The show house was where fancy ladies would lunch. They'd take over a house. They'd have designers redo it. People would pay to tour the show house. They had never had sponsors. Oh, why don't we have sponsors? You're going in front of 35 to 64-year-old women for four straight weeks. I, you know, I know it isn't advertising, but geez, that's a kind of interesting group of upscale women who could have nothing better to do than go tour somebody else's house. We ended up offering a multi-location ladies' wear store fabulous owner met right with the owner. I said, why don't you take over the closet?
0: Hmm.
1: Why don't you fill the closet? Like someone really lives there. Don't you know? And she gave us $10,000 very quickly. It was an easy yes. She goes, and I don't expect to make any sales. I really believe in what you do. Great. Well, the show house was down the block from a store. People will go in and say, I'd like the black shirt from the show house closet. I'd like this. She said it was so delightful and unexpected because we ask, what's the valid business reason? How can we integrate you into the story that we're telling at the show house? You know, sales is all about asking questions. Last thought, let's talk about women, girls who sell. Um, the high amount of women in high amount of fundraisers are women. Because you're selling something emotional and it really isn't I didn't just say women are emotional and men aren't I did not say that women know how to tell an emotional story better
0: mm-hmm.
1: and men can be trained men can be trained you have to tell the story and, and find a part that makes the donor's eyes glisten which comes from the part that makes your eyes glisten mm-hmm
0: mm-hmm yeah, I can see that. I mean, there, there is a much higher percentage of women in the nonprofit sector just in general, right? But that makes sense. And, and do you think that it has to do also, not only because we can sell emotion or empathize, right? With the situation which makes us, perhaps makes us better sellers, Um, But it's also because we're then selling something that we truly believe in. Um, Is there that connection, right? Like if I were to sell for a nonprofit, and there's some that I'm incredibly passionate about, obviously, um, you know, for me, selling for that particular nonprofit is about believing in the mission of that nonprofit. You, you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sort of connecting the dots. And, and when when it's a mission-oriented sale or something that a woman truly believes in, they tend to exponentially outperform that. Well, you know, I, I'm going to take
1: it back to my radio career for a minute. My very, okay. very, very first job was with a format called Music of Your Life. Okay. It was... Um, World War II, uh, uh, Golden Age of Radio stuff. I had never heard any of it. It's 23 years old. I don't believe in it. I did not even, even this, you know, why we talk, you know, if you do the math, the people have to be 900 years old. <laughs> and that's where I learned it, don't need, it doesn't need to be my favorite music, but I need to understand whose favorite music it is.
0: Mm. The
1: same is true uh, when I went to WABC New York as my father's favorite radio station. Oh my God, I didn't listen to talk radio, but he did. So I could understand that. Fast forward for my time at Gift of Life Marrow Registry. I am blessed to have not had leukemia, not had a marrow transplant, but that empathy you talked about. Very, I started to meet recipients and I started to meet people who never found a match.
0: Mm, that much ripped your heart out?
1: It 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 took. It had the key to my heart. And when I started there, the the person who uh, who started the um, the charity had a transplant. I didn't need. I just needed to back to asking good questions. Ask Jay what I needed to understand. And then I saw a donor meet a recipient. And I only thing I need to understand is I needed to see more. I called it my work crack. Seeing people who could have died but for the generosity of a stranger, I didn't start feeling it in my heart. I started understanding the mission in my head. So I think that some of it, I also think the wage gap in nonprofit, I could be making, of course, more money if I had stayed in for profit. Mm-hmm but i've always been the person who wanted to use my skills to make a difference i didn't want it to say sold airtime on my tombstone and i want and now i feel like i'm on such a mission to teach sales skills to fundraisers so they're successful the normal fundraiser stays 18 months it's ridiculous I want them to be good and successful and fund these missions. The world's a crazy place right now. You know, I've had um we work with a couple of food banks, and I have to tell you, I, people who used to have good jobs and support their family are waiting online to get food. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, I, it's, 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 a crazy, it's a crazy time and, and it must be difficult, or I mean, I guess I'll more than make a statement, ask a question, what has the impact been in the nonprofit industry around fundraising due to the pandemic? Because um, not only have a lot of people lost their jobs, right? And of course that has impacted women, more than men. I mean, women you know, have had to leave the workforce in droves, right? Um, but, you know, I don't know that individuals have this, because of the uncertainty, have the same amount of, um, you know, money to donate. So so how have you overcome that in terms, you know, from a sales perspective and in, in overcoming some of the tragedy, you know, that's, that's come about it's you know, such fan an fan you,
1: fan. that question you had is why we started Team Cat and Mouse, because there are a lot of charities you know them all mm-hmm. who do races and walks and galas. They all got shut down like a faucet. Boof, none of them for almost two years, and those who could not pivot went away or yeah. suffered and laid people off. Every good salesperson knows. I could tell you in radio, you could get great ratings or you could get terrible ratings. You could have, when I was at Disney, you could have a Disney star do something stupid. That (laughs) happened more than I want to talk about in Hannah Montana. And so so you have to be able to pivot. Mm -hmm. Um, That is what drove me crazy. In the first days of lockdown, I called my boss and I said, Okay, I think we need. You know, I'm all about new business. I think the first thing we need to do is check out with our old donors and partners in the corporate world to see how we could hold hands during this. One of our our partners was a group called Birthright, who sends kids to Israel, and they would they would swab and test in Israel. So I called them up. We talked about doing concerts together. We talked about ways we could engage online. Um, we talked about how we could help each other reach our goals in this weird situation where we all had to do something different. Some people can't take the way they've always done it out of the equation and just view it as a chance to be different. Somebody suggested to me there's a big issue with Um, disparities of people finding matches because based on your ethnic heritage, and while someone who's Caucasian has such a high rate, like 98% chance of finding a bone marrow match, and people in the African-American mixed race community and indigenous people and the Hispanic community go down as low as 25%. So the conversation during COVID was all about healthcare disparities. I had to step out of my comfort zone, the world of every good salesperson, and say, what can we do to be part of this conversation? And we did seven virtual town halls, which I got funded fully by corporate sponsors. I had speakers that would blow your mind. Like it still blows mine. Because I said, what can we, I actually stopped down, which is not a characteristic of most good salespeople. They just keep going. I Stopped down a minute. And I said, you know, and I tell everyone, if I could give young salespeople the best advice from Someone who's not so young. And my daughter is a young woman in sales. So I tell her this what do you, you ask yourself every day, what can I do better and different? Right. What do the times, what do the conditions require during these times? And sit down. And I, uh, one of my coworkers, when I worked in national radio, used to say, me and the mouse in my pocket had a conversation. And I decided we need to look at it in a different way. And don't be afraid, don't hold on to the way I've always done it. Um, You know, I, I, I tell the young woman who is my daughter all the time, ask good questions, be willing to look at it in a different side. You know, what's the valid business reason? What's the logical reason? And how can we do our very best and be able to, you know, I would say you build your business, you find your base, you build your base, then another level, then another level. And while these are, you know, cause 80% of your business comes from 20% of your people. So you better consistently make new friends.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what's, a, I'm curious, what's the story behind the name of your company?
1: Uh, I appreciate you asking that because so far out of all the people we've spoken to, only one has figured it out, the former mayor of West Palm Beach, who is, is a board chair at one of the our clients. And so my last name is Kit Roser, my partner, Amy Mauser, um, Cat and Mouse were our husband's nicknames in high school. Um, the team is all the people like our grant writer and our creative director who've come aboard, but it really... Everyone wants to talk about the chase, the cat and the mouse, and the chase. Mm-hmm. It really. Um, we didn't want to name it after people because fundraising is much bigger than Kit Roser and Mauser. Mm-hmm. It's about, um, you know, it's
0: enough. It, 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 that sounds law- like a law firm, actually. Kit Roser and Mauser sounds like okay. it's like no. I, I am so in love with cat and mouse. Thank you. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you i you know what and, and we had to make a conscious decision not to make her logo look like a cat and mouse because although it's cat and mouse there's no pets involved in this it's really, <laughs> it's really about our goal is to really empower young fundraisers in much a similar way that you want to power empower young women sellers i wish nothing i mean when my daughter with her advertising degree. First started at a big tech company and now is with a startup platform that's amazing. And you know what? Good salespeople, it's the job that you will, you more than anybody will always have a job. Women in in sales will, will always have a job. Salespeople, everybody who saves the company money or makes the company money will always have a job. It's a very secure career choice
0: yeah and i you know we work with high school and college aged uh students primarily so it seems like um uh you know fundraising would be a great uh early stage entry-level job would you agree i mean would, would only you- if
1: you've got someone that can train you only 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 because um both fundrais, both organizations I work for and others I volunteered for hire these young kids. It's just like if anyone wants a good time, read my very first blog, Cat and Mouse, about putting my head through the windshield. <laughs> if if not, they will leave running and screaming. You know, I've I've put together ideas of doing a boot camp mm-hmm. with my partners um, for small nonprofits. I think one step will be young at some point, young fundraisers. Uh, I have to say the big tech, tech company trained my daughter really, really, really well. And um, smaller companies don't have time. So if you want to be good, source it out. Ask people. Uh, salespeople love teaching other people. I, it's not that, to circle right back around, I do not get an ice cream cone every time I've closed a new account. I don't.
0: <laughs> I'll have to send you my ice cream. Um, <laughs>
1: you know, yeah, you are near closer to Ben and Jerry than I am.
0: <laughs> I, I we are we are that that is true. Um, but that yeah, I mean, I think that that's interesting. I think a boot camp for um, for fundraisers because you know with the fundraising that I've done or the nonprofits that I've been in, involved with, it's I think one of the least favorite things. In fact, we just had our board meeting this morning. And um, we were talking about putting committees together for you know, certain areas of the business and um, more people were willing to, to volunteer for the budget committee than the fundraising committee. And I was like, no, I mean, I'm not necessarily at this point asking you to go out and do some hardcore fundraising. Let's just build the strategy around it, right? Like where, it, which is what you're talking about. I think I probably have to hire you guys to come in and work with us. Um, on the Did girls' you know the sell money empowerment money. fund, but um, why That's is that? I mean, I think it—you know—you take sales that already has somewhat of a negative perception, and then you combine it with fundraising, and it's just like, you know, people run the other direction. Why is that? Well, I think a
1: lot of it is they don't like to ask their friends for money. Uh, we're training a board right now, and the nonprofit was saying something about they want you to write their letters. And our theory is, sure, we'll write your letters except for the first paragraph. You have to do the intro and why you care about this organization and we will write the rest for you. I believe in giving a good board, if they're not comfortable, let's discover. And we work with another charity who we train their, we train their board. What are the questions you should ask? when you're pitching they're doing a golf tournament what do you pitch first like if they're not in sales they don't know you pitch the biggest ones first because they have the longest sales cycle Mm -hmm. a booth with 250 dollars make a day of calls you'll sell it out you know so you need to pitch the bigger ones you need to also something else that we do that i highly recommend for boards is something i get from my advertising side which is a social media toolkit put together the imagery put together the language Don't let them have to worry about, well, what do I say about, am I allowed to show pictures? There are children involved. Like, you don't want to get into all that. So we do some really slick social media toolkits. You know, here's the Instagram messaging. Here's the LinkedIn messaging. Here are the graphics. Um, We'll send you an update for a golf tournament or whatever it is. But, you know, for the next six months, here's the messaging to use. One out of seven people will need a bone marrow transplant. One out of... And um, I brought that from my marketing life into, to, I didn't have to do it at my first job because they had a big national machine, but a second one, as we did a, a Giving Tuesday push.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the first time I did it. Actually, that wasn't my first job. I said, holy guacamole, these guys are not gonna wanna figure out what to say. So they will write the wrong thing or just not do it. Yeah. It takes a horrible logo off the, off the internet that makes us all look like, you know, beginners so you send it all to them with the logos attached the messaging messaging attached and if you have let's say we did this for this one charity on a giving day every one of their uh, board members and other members all had all the graphics it was they wanted to raise it was one day they wanted to raise $15,000 they raised that $34,000
0: wow that's amazing yeah, I, I, think onto I think you're on something i think you're on to something so huge Seriously. Um, I think this is a real, real need for for the nonprofit sector. I, I, this is big. I hope
1: you're right. I, um, <laughs> I get great joy. I was on a new business pitch this morning and she goes, this really makes you happy. I said, yes, because but for the the fortunate luck of having a grandfather and a father and an uncle in sales, I would have left sales and, you know, I would have left sales. Find yourself. I wrote another blog. I still have my mentor from college. We love him. He loves me. Like he's, he's an old, he's an older guy. No, you (laughs) know what? Um, Mentors, young saleswomen, find a mentor, cherish them, learn from them. And then when you're old enough, be someone else's mentor. I can't tell you the people who, care my boss from our ceo from the red cross was is our first endorsement on our website because he said i owe it you know you owe me because i put you and amy together (laughs) we've known each other 20 years but okay
0: (laughs) yeah i give him the credit
1: i I gladly give him the credit (laughs) you know and i've learned so much i mean you know you gotta listen when you're a young salesperson you have to listen listen and i one last word because i know you have to go but when I was young in radio sales, I had taken one class in sales at, in Buffalo and a guy named Bob taught the class. My friend Kathy and I did, we called it broadcast s and We really did. We thought it was a punishment for something we had done in another life. And we'd each go to every other class and share our notes. That's how serious I took. Then I got my first job in radio and then I got my second job back in Buffalo. And in those days, if you shared a client, you had to go pick up Real to real tapes. Now they send them through MPKs. So I go to the radio station where this guy Bob works and I said, Is Bob in? And I was very young, like 23. And I left him and he was not, he was out on sales calls. (laughs) And I left him a note in his desk You will be forever the one who made me think it was okay to be in radio sales. And apparently I ran into him in networking things after that. I embarrassed the living heck out of him because the, the, he, was, he was like a 50 something year old guy at the time. And he's like, there's some cute girl leaving your notes on your desk. And he got teased for a very long time. But find your mentors, thank your mentors, appreciate the love and kindness and the, and the, the belief they have in you. And if you can't find someone and your company won't hire someone to help you along with the skills and the, the, um, uh, the habits that you have to have to be successful, learn your own sales math, Make your own pathway. If they won't teach you, figure it out because your income and your self, more importantly, your self worth. And get up and get off the sales roller coaster. You're just as good if someone says no as if they say yes. They're not insulting you. They don't want your product.
0: Yeah, that wow, that is um, so much good advice, right? Like incredible nuggets of wisdom. So if I'm a nonprofit listening to this. Um, or I'm a student, um, you know, considering a career in nonprofit sales. How can they get a hold of you?
1: It's Sharon at team K A T like Kitroser, uh, and A N D mouse.com. Or the best way to get a hold of me is look up Sharon Kitroser on LinkedIn. I'm very out there on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn. Um, And I have a free one sheet if you're new in sales that I put together for fundraisers um, about LinkedIn. So if you would like a copy of that, just send me an email, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very proud of it. It's definitely LinkedIn 101. There's no fancy make a group. It's just how to get started. um, Because these days, especially with the lack of in-person events, still, I went to my first in almost two years, two nights ago. And no, I couldn't recognize anyone because they had masks and hats. It was an event that involved <laughs> headwear. It was a hats off award. Very fun. Hats on, masks off. It was really hard to tell who you were talking to. Thank God they had very <laughs> large name tags, but I would highly awesome. recommend reaching out. I have another piece that I have just completing for a big webinar that we're doing. Um, it's 30 days of what to tell your fundraiser. Every day, it's not every day, it's like three parts. You know, don't forget, you know, you talk about people who believe in the mission. Sometimes they get so involved with the patients, they forget that it's their job to fund the mission. You know, it's just the things that we all wish someone had told us when we started. So the three of us um, that put it together, our director designed it, and it is, I think it's really good. So those two things are available for anyone who wants to reach out.
0: That sounds awesome. Sharon, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation and appreciate all your insight.
1: Thanks, Heidi. We'll speak again soon, I hope. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.